We are on Yevamos Ein Aleph, Amad Aleph 71a, towards the bottom. The Gemara is trying to figure out what is the status of a baby who is less than eight days old. He's not commanded in the mitzvah of having a bris, of having a circumcision. At the same time, since he didn't have one yet, so then is he viewed as what is, we've been referring to as an RL, as somebody who has not yet had a circumcision, <coughs> which would impact uh, whether... He could be smeared with oil of truma, truma oil, oil that comes from uh, the food that's designated for the Kohen, um, or it might impact, there's a law that uh, the father is not allowed to eat from the Korban Pesach, from the Pesach offering, until all of his children <coughs> excuse me, are circumcised. So here, what if, it, what if he had a baby within eight days, and he's not even allowed to circumcise his child? Is he allowed to partake in the Pesach offering or not? So the Gemara wanted to suggest, this is what we ended off with last time, the Gemara wanted to suggest uh, that we know that there's a ruling that says that there are different parts to the Pesach offering. There's the slaughtering of the animal, which takes place during the day. Then there's the eating of the animal, which takes place at night. And the Gemara, without getting into all the details, the Gemara essentially says that there could be a situation where the child is an RL, he's not circumcised, only at night. But there is no problem during the day. For some reason, there's no problem during the day. But there's a problem at night. What exactly is that case? So the Gemara suggested that maybe we're discussing a case where the baby was born um, after the slaughtering, before the eating of the Pesach offering at night. And so therefore, we have a scenario where the baby is less than eight days old. He's less than one day old. And he'll prevent the father from eating from the Pesach offering because it's, he's still viewed as an RL. That's what the Gemara suggested. So comes Rava, Amr Rava, and he says, no. It says you can't prove anything from there. Because over there, uh, when it comes to the Pesach offering, it's clear that that scenario cannot be referring to a case where the baby was born just a few hours before eating from the Pesach offering, after the slaughtering. cannot be. Because the verse says that uh, you have to have the ability Essentially, we, we learn out from this verse that you have to have the ability to do the circumcision. Within the first eight days, within the first day, you do not have such an ability to circumcise. You have to wait for eight days in order to do, go through the, to do the bris, to do the circumcision. So, Rava says that it's impossible to say what you're saying, that at least with regards to the Pesach offering, perhaps maybe Trum is different, but at least with regards to the Pesach offering, it has to be that... Uh, the baby has to be eight days old in order to prevent you. You have to have the ability to do the bris milah, to do the circumcision. Since you don't have the ability to do the circumcision, it's not going to prevent you from eating from the Pesach offering. Uh, but the Gemara now has to figure out, so we're left with a question, what exactly is the scenario in which uh, there's no problem, there's no RL, there's no case of, a, of an uncircumcised son at the time of the slaughtering, but there is a problem at the time of the eating of the Pesach offering that night. What exactly is the case? So the Gemara is going to give a few different answers, two different different ways to explain that circumstance. So number one, The case is where the baby was born, but he was born with a fever. He has a fever. So because he has a fever, we do not do the circumcision on day eight. In fact, uh, as we will see, the law is, is that you have to wait until he gets better, and then even after he gets better, you're not allowed to go through the circumcision. You have to wait another eight days. Um, so the case is where he has a fever. 
So the Gemara says, how does this solve anything? So we'll see. So then you have to wait seven slash eight days, as we'll see why it says seven. Uh, the Gemara says, like you know, you waited, he got better, and then you waited seven days, and then it ends up being on the, on the day of the Pesach offering. Gemara says, mitzafra. So okay, fine. So how does so then do the bris in the morning? Once it's now seven slash eight days later, so then have the bris, do the circumcision in the morning. Meaning, how does this solve anything? We're trying to come up. The, the whole point of the gemara is trying to come up with a scenario where there's no problem at the time of the slaughtering during the day. There is a problem later that night in terms of at the time of eating of the pesach offering, where there's a child who's not circumcised, but. If you have a child here who was born a while ago, he was healed from his fever uh, seven slash eight days before the Pesach offering. So what does that have to do with this case? So just he's just like he's supposed to have the circumcision done in the morning. So he's an RL even at the time of the slaughtering. So the Gemara says this is the answer. And this is why it's important. So when it comes specifically to a fever, to getting healed, when a, when a baby is not allowed to go through the, through a circumcision, they're healed from a fever. So they have to wait uh, really seven days from the point in time, the hour in which he was healed. So it doesn't go based on the day, but it goes based on that hour. So let's say it was four o'clock in the afternoon. He got better. So now you have to wait uh, seven full days, which ends up being, if you include the first day and the last day, it ends up being eight days. Uh, so that's why the, the, there's this idea of sometimes it says seven, sometimes it says eight. Uh, but you have to wait seven full 24-hour days from that point in time. And then four o'clock in the afternoon, that's when you could have the bris. Not any time earlier. So now we could come up with such a scenario. Essentially, uh, he was healed uh, four o'clock in the afternoon. So now you wait seven full days, 24-hour days. And then it ends up falling out on the day of the Pesach offering. But it's four o'clock in the afternoon. So at the time of the slaughtering... There is no obligation to do the bris because he's still within the seven the, the seven days. It happens to be that at four o'clock in the afternoon. So that's when uh, the the obligation begins. And then at the time that they have to eat the carbon pesach, if he was not slow, if they didn't go through a circumcision yet, so then the father would not be allowed to eat from the pesach offering. So that's your scenario. Uh, because it's important to note that when it comes to a regular bris, a regular circumcision. It has nothing to do with the time at which the baby is born uh, at that particular time. That's the day. All we care about are the days, not the p- particular hour. So you count eight days, including the, the day in which they were bo- the baby was born, and then you can do it from the morning. It's only this unique circumstance where the baby was sick and then was healed, so then you have to wait seven full days, uh, and then it doesn't go based on the day. It goes based on the hour, as the Gemara is about to explain. Vatani levada'a. In the end of the day, uh, the Gemara is saying that the, the day in which a person, the baby was born is different than the day in which the baby was healed. When the baby was born, uh, so then you don't have to wait 20, you don't have to wait from the hour. You don't have to count from the hour, but it's eight days, including the day in which the baby was born, when it comes to getting healed, so then it is um, from that point in time which the baby was healed, so then you would wait uh, seven 24-hour periods. So it would go based on the hour. That is all answer number one. Answer number two is Rapapa. 
Similar answer. So this is a little different. This is not a fever, but they had some sort of uh, illness in the eye. Problem with the eye. So when it comes to the eye, you don't have to wait seven days, uh, but you have to wait until you're healed. So let's say he's healed uh, in the afternoon. He gets healed in the afternoon after the slaughtering, but before the eating of the Pesach offering. That's another example where at the time of the slaughtering, it was absolutely no problem because since he was still sick, he still had this illness. There was no obligation to do the milah, so therefore everything was fine. Uh, but in between, before the actual eating of the Pesach offering, he's healed. You do not perform a bris. You do not do a bris milah. So then that would be a scenario where at the time of the eating, there's a problem, but not at the time of the slaughtering. Suggestion number three. Rava Very interesting answer they're given by Rava. Where the parents, it says specifically the parents, also the father and the mother, they are both in jail essentially. Uh, they're in a place where they cannot do the mila. It's not under their control to do the mila for their child. And so therefore, this is also a very interesting idea, when it comes to the Pesach offering and the obligation that your children have to have a bris, need to have a, a, a circumcision, it's only going to prevent you from eating from the Pesach offering if you have the ability to perform a bris and to be in control of the, that situation on your child. If you're in jail... And you have no such ability, so then you are allowed to eat from the Pesach offering, uh, even though uh, you don't have the ability to circumcise your son. When it comes to you yourself, <coughs> excuse me, if you yourself are not circumcised, even if it's against your will, um, if for whatever reason, whatever the circumstance is, that would prevent you from eating from the Pesach offering. But it's only this situation where it's your child, it's not you, and you have an obligation to make sure that your child is circumcised. But if it's a case where you don't have the ability to circumcise your child, for example, you're in jail, uh, so then that would not prevent you from eating from the Pesach offering. How could you be even involved in the Pesach offering if you're in jail? Well, you could appoint the messenger. The messenger could slaughter the animal. And our case is where you are freed uh, after the slaughtering before the actual eating of the Pesach offering. That's why we're bringing this up. You, you become free in between, so now you're allowed to eat from the Pesach offering. However, now that you're free, so now you have an obligation to circumcise your, your child. Um, and that's necessary. You would have to then circumcise your child. <coughs> okay, suggestion number four. It's a case where we're not sure if it's the child is unclear. You can't tell um, because there's some skin that's covering the genital area. Uh, so you're not sure if it's a male or female. You only find out that it's a male after the slaughtering before the eating of the Pesach offering. Again, our whole point, the, all these different suggestions are coming up with cases where at the time of the slaughtering, there's no problem. There's no obligation to, to circumcise. It's only an obligation. Something happens in between. And now there's an obligation at the time of the eating of the Pesach offering. If you did not circumcise your son, so then there's still a problem, even though there was no problem at the time of the slaughtering. So this would be another example where you only find out that the, the baby is actually a male um, after the slaughtering, before the eating of the Pesach offering. And finally, the last suggestion, with Shravya Amar, Kegonchehotzi Rosho Chutzla Prozdor. A uh, very interesting case where uh, the head comes out. Only the head came out of the baby um, eight days ago, eight days before uh, the day of bringing the Pesach offering. And then the head came out, but then the baby went back into the uterus. And so from a halachic perspective, we say that at the point in time which the head comes out, that's when you begin the count of eight days. So then, So the count already started. And then the baby only comes out on day eight, after the slaughtering, before the eating of the Pesach offering. 
So that's another sort of scenario where you have the ability to now circumcise your child. And if you didn't do that, and now it's the time of the Pesach offering, you're not allowed to partake in the Pesach offering. Even though at the time of the slaughtering, the baby was still in, in the uterus. Uh, the point is that since the head came out eight days earlier, once the baby is born after eight days, so then right away there's an obligation to do the bris milah. The Gemara just goes on a, on a slight tangent and says, is, is it even possible for the baby to survive in such a circumstance? Now, the Gemara will continue. It's hard to ex- really explain how the Gemara really fits with the science of today. <coughs> but based on their science, they said as follows, Umi chai. Is it really true that he could survive if the, only the head comes out? Essentially, once the head comes out and it goes back into the uterus, it's not going to be able to survive because uh, the umbilical cord is no longer providing nourishment. Uh, so there's two ways to explain it. Because if somebody's sick, so then they could heal the baby. Who's sick? The case is where the mother is sick. When the mother is sick, so then she's able to provide for the child when the, this baby, this baby, when the baby's head comes out and then goes back, and the entire baby goes back in. If the mother is sick, so then uh, she's able to feed the baby, whatever that means. The second answer, it's true in general they don't survive but if we know that the baby's screaming so we know the baby's able to survive for some reason if the baby's screaming the baby would be able to survive okay essentially that's the end of this discussion we had six or so different suggestions to explain a scenario where there's an obligation to do the brismila not at the time of the slaughtering but only later on uh, before the actual eating of the Pesach offering the reason why this is all unique is because in general, when it comes to circumcision, the obligation begins from the morning. Uh, so you have to come up with these unique circumstances in which the obligation does not begin in the morning, but only begins later in the day. So we said if the, if the baby's sick, that was a suggestion, even if you wait, have to wait uh, seven days, seven or eight days, uh, it ends up being uh, from the hour, me'es ace, and it doesn't begin, the obligation doesn't begin at the beginning of the day. We discussed cases where you're, you become free from jail, um, in the afternoon uh, where the head comes out earlier where you find out that they're only a male uh, it's only a male uh, later on in the afternoon these are all different circumstances and situations in which the obligation only begins later in the afternoon and not in the morning okay the Gemara goes on to a new topic a related topic but a new topic I'm Rabbi Yochanan Mishim Rabbi Bina. Rabbi Yochanan says in the name of Rabbi Bina, Arel Mekabel Hazah and Arel somebody who's not circumcised they are allowed to receive hazah. Hazah is the sprinkling. When it comes to if a person becomes impure by touching a dead body or being in, coming in contact with a dead body, so they, they need more than just going to the mikvah. They also require in, into, the, into the bathhouse. They need more than that. They need them for day three and day seven before they're able to go to the bathhouse. They are sprinkled with water. This is referred to as hazah. Now somebody who is not circumcised, will it work or will it not work? The Gemara says it will work. There's no problem. There's no problem with this. It will work, even though it's just important to note uh, their opinions, like Rabbi Kiva that we had before, that in RL, somebody who's not circumcised, it's like they're the equivalent of somebody who's impure. It still will work. The, these sprinkles will work to be part of the process of purification 
uh, for somebody who was in contact with a, a dead body. How do we know this? Essentially, we have we know of a, of a story. There's a story of when the Jews first entered into the land of Israel with Yehoshua. Uh, this is found after the Torah, but in the book of Yehoshua. Uh, so when they go in, they nobody in the times of the desert, um, or most of the Jews, they did not perform a bris milah. As we will see why in the Gemara in a little bit. Um, they, they did not go through a circumcision. Uh, it was difficult. They were traveling. They didn't know when they would travel next. Uh, and uh, it was a difficulty during the times of traveling in the desert. So it was dangerous. It was dangerous for them to do and to have a circumcision. So they didn't have a circumcision. So when they entered into the land of Israel, that's when they had their circumcision. But it's clear from the verse that before they had their circumcision, they also had to purify themselves from becoming in contact with uh, all the, the people who died during those 40 years. We know that a whole new generation was born. The previous generation passed away. They had to bury them. And so they became, they became impure. Uh, so they had to purify themselves before entering into the, as they entered into the land of Israel. Uh, and we know, based on the verse, that they first sprinkled, they sprinkled this water on uh, as part of the purification process. And that took place before the actual circumcision. So they were not circumcised and yet they did this sprinkling. So we see that the sprinkling works even if they are not circumcised. <coughs> okay, a few more lines. And then we complete uh, this page. Omar Rabba Bar Yitzchak. Omar Rav. Rav says the following. Very interesting idea. Lo nisna priyas milo avram avinu shenem rabbe sahi amar shema Yeshua ase lecha charvos chutzim. Once we're on the topic of Yeshua and the new bris milo, the new circumcision that he did, uh, Rav teaches us that there are really two parts to the bris milo. There is the mila and the priya. There's the cutting off of the foreskin and then moving it back uh, is the priya. That's the second stage. And he says that Avram, when Avram, who was the first person to have a bris, to have a circumcision as, as told by God, he didn't have that second part. He only had the first part. Um, the second part was only found by Yehoshua. We see that by Yehoshua when the Jews enter into the land of Israel. Well, the first time that they're really everybody is having a bris milah, that's when it began. And the commentators point out that it's not that Yoshua made up this ruling. He doesn't have the ability to make up this ruling. Uh, but it, this was something that's referred to as a halakha of Moshe Messina. This was taught to Moshe, passed down to Yoshua. And then in the verse, we see from the verse, but Yoshua knew about this from Moshe, who heard it from Hashem. Um, and so there is this second part. Maybe because it's, the verse says that they did it again. They did a, there was a second part. Uh, maybe it's not that there was a second part, but it means that Shiv, they did it again to those who weren't circumcised yet. All they did was the first part of the actual cutting. The Gemara says no, because the verse itself says that everybody was already circumcised. And they did a second thing. What is it, the second thing? It's referring to this part of the circumcision, which is called the Priya, the moving of the foreskin back. Um, after you cut it, so then you, you do this form of, of moving it back. Um, my shenis, why does it then say the verse says shuv again and shenis a second time uh, so it says shuv again to tell you that there are two parts to the to the mila to the circumcision the actual cutting and then this idea of priya 
which is we, what we do today. We've been doing it since the days of Yeshua. Avram was not commanded to do it, although it is interesting to note that the commentators point out that even though he wasn't commanded to do it, he did it on his own. He, he, he did it on his own without the command, but he wasn't commanded to do it, and we continue to do it till today. The word says, my shenis, what does it mean that, not just again, but it says a second time, another word that says a second time. So the Gemara tells us that the reason why it says a second time is to tell us that um, in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Mila, you have to remove all parts that are obligated to remove. Even if you just leave some of the some part behind that was really necessary, uh, you have to go over it again. Otherwise, you do not f- perform the mitzvah of Mila, even if it's just uh, what's referred to as just um, s- seemingly secondary or, or just parts that are that are not the main part. You also have to go over that as well. It is necessary to do that as well, and that's what it means by shenis a second time to make sure that everything what that needed to be removed was in fact uh, removed. Uh, but that really concludes our Gemara for Daf 71, for Daf Ayin Aleph. And the Gemara, a very interesting Gemara here, says that there are really two aspects to the mitzvah of Mila. And there's a big discussion. Is it really viewed as two parts of the mitzvah of Mila? Do I fulfill the mitzvah? Am I viewed as circumcised if I only do the first part, but not the second part? Um, do we say, yes, you already fulfilled the mitzvah? Or no, that the mitzvah in its totality are really these two different parts. The Mila and then the Priya, the actual cutting of the foreskin and then moving part of the skin back. Uh, these are two separate parts um, of one mitzvah, or do we say that these are two different mitzvahs entirely, which can have many, many ramifications. What if sometimes you want a father, sometimes a father is a doctor um, and wants to do part of the circumcision himself, but he doesn't know how to do the second part. It, does he gain anything by just doing the first part alone or not? Uh, these are all big discussions um, uh, that are found amongst the commentators. There's a dispute about this. And so this is this comes from our Gemara. This discussion stems from our Gemara, and we'll begin. We'll take we'll begin uh, the next stuff. I am based in the next recording, which discusses the fact why was it that the Jews in the desert did not do the mitzvah of Mila? Why didn't they do the mitzvah of circumcision? Why did they wait for Yoshua? Yoshua was really that new generation started the mitzvah of Bris Mila as they entered into the land of Israel.